Pit Guys. This week on the Pit Guys, we take you back to Nationals, where we sat down with Scott Lesage, driver and owner of the number 4932-4900 UTV. All right, so we're still here at Nationals, and we're uh, we're just walk basically we're just walking up and down the pits, man, and we're grabbing guys, and we're saying, hey, if you're not afraid to come sit in our motorhome with me and Hopper for like <laughs> half an hour, come sit on our cooler with us. Yeah, so uh, we we got Scott Lesage in here right now. Uh, I think you're a top three national points guy, right? That's as it seems. I mean, I. Unofficially, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're pulling in heavy hitters here, man. Yep. And we haven't even talked to <laughs> Jeff Bachman in like a month. Yeah. The well, world's worst guest. That's okay. We don't need to talk to him. Yeah. It's so, underwhelming at yeah. best. So, uh, Scott, man, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, the, the relevant part of it is is uh, started racing Ultra Four in two thousand eighteen. Uh, I didn't do hammers that year, just started in the regional races and uh, broke at the first one and then actually ended up winning the second one I did at Ridgecrest. The first time they went to Ridgecrest, it was like that, that night race. So fun. So you got hooked really quick. Well, yeah, but I knew I was going to do it. Like I knew from like a long time ago that like this is what I'm going to do. I just have to figure out how to get there. Gotcha. Um, so the that second race is basically like i won it and everyone's like who's what who is this like did he did he cheat and the the funny part was is because i was running tire balls which was just like the year after they had made that rule change so everyone everyone was like or i came in on a flat and they were like is that is that tire balls and i'm like yes that's the rule there's it's it's i tested it it's inflated to the uh, at that time it was a 26 inch rule and yep it's all good it's legal i tested everything it's going to be fine and it was like this whole crowd built and everything and, I, and I'm just like wait do you guys have a tape measure like you guys know the rule it's not like there's no tire balls it's that it's a 20 at that time it was 26 or 26 and a half inch rolling diameter with no with no air in the tire and I, that like I don't know it, just, it was very weird it was all at night we just finished this two hundred mile race and I had won by allegedly one second holy cow <laughs> we thought last night was exciting yeah, one second. That's, that's one some... second over like 110, 120 miles or whatever it was at night. It was so fun. It was only my second race, and then then it was like this controversy at the end. So it was <laughs> at the end of the day, like I you know I got I brought out my level and tape measures. Said no, no, look, like this is legal. Here's if you want to pull up the rule, here it is. Like mm-hmm. it's all good. I can't imagine any controversy at an ultra four race. What? Ever. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so for those of you that don't know scott you're an engineer yeah i'm a dork i'm pretty sure in the last two minutes most of us could figure out this guy's an engineer right you're on i would i just finished a conversation with you about shocks yeah like you you are a shock guy you are on another planet when it comes to like the very little details about this and that yeah yeah people pick up that like i've had like uh like nurses and stuff I was getting stitched up and I was like what's this for and what's that how do you do this and, the, and she's like are you an engineer mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she could just like spot it out of her crowd uh, but yeah I'm, I'm a, little, a little too detail oriented sometimes uh, my friends and others complain but you're also like again back to the first time I think I met you at Sturgis you are a one man show yeah pretty much yep I, uh, I mean like my friends 
I have, I have a lot of good like, desert friends, right, where I'm from San Diego, and they'll come out to the, you know, San Felipe race and Hammers, like, they'll come out and support, but, like, I'm not going to ask them to take a week off of work to come out to Oklahoma. Like, I, yeah. if I want to do it, i got to go do it. I can't wait for other people's schedules to work out. So, I've, yeah, been, I've been doing it for a couple of years now. It's like, if, if, hey, can you show up? Can you show up? Like, I got my buddy to come up from Tennessee for this one. But it's, it's like either me completely by myself and I'll make friends with the neighbors and get someone to spot for me and do whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll just make it happen basically. That's, that's intense. That's really intense because I, you know, I don't, I don't understand how a person can do all that work. You have to be super focused, like laser focused to be able to, you know, take care of all the things that need to be taken care of and still race. So that's pretty impressive. It's, it's a... Uh, Exhausting. <laughs> well, we basically have four people doing that. Yeah. Yep. Which is, I can't even. I don't know how you guys do it. Like, Cody's a solo driver. We just talked to him. Like, I don't know how you guys drive by yourself without a co-driver. Like, that's a totally different world to me too. Yeah, it's kind of gotten that way because so like in the desert racing scene. So like, I've raced. Um, I've raced a couple desert races and uh, got some really close friends that do that actually is uh doing the mexalog 300 this weekend that's mm. um, one of my good friends mario gutierrez <clears throat> and so going with them out in the desert we did the Valhalla thousands together it's like we've i know the value of a co-driver it is so good but these races they tend to be loops and they tend to be short and after a couple times you know what's coming mm-hmm. and yeah. so you can kind of just memorize it and i have um i have a pretty good like geographical memory so if i see one thing i was like oh yeah and then i know what's on mm-hmm. the next side of it like i wouldn't be able to like necessarily tell you all the points but if i if i'm there i kind of know when the next one is and it doesn't work out 100 percent of the time but more or less it's it's okay yeah my wife will readily tell anybody that i am absolutely lost without a co-driver or her i'm like <laughs> where the heck did the keys go where Where'd, where's my phone at? Where's this? And my wife's just sitting there rolling her eyes like, oh, my gosh. See, I have the opposite problem. I also have a very good geographical memory, yet my wife seems to think that I have no clue where I'm at all the time and constantly tells me how to drive. <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't tell me how to drive. She just tells me where all my crap's at. Yeah. And I like to blame it on the fact that she moves it all when she cleans oh, we everything. All, we, all, we all do that. But uh, she just tells me I lost it. So... Uh, you're most recognizable because you drive what I call the Fox car, right? <laughs> yeah. And you've got Fox uh, shocks all over your car. Yeah. Yeah. I worked for Fox for six years. Um, so I I uh, got that. The only reason I went to Southern California, period. I didn't want to go to California at all. I'm not where that, where not are that you guy. from? I'm from Oregon. Okay. Mm. Um, and I went to Oregon State uh, and got my engineering degree there. And I did this thing in college um, called Baja SAE. Um, and it's an engineering collegiate design competition and we built these little off-road cars like 10 horsepower off-road cars and it was pretty competitive like you get like people in their you know low 20s and you get them you know you get we had some budget but it wasn't a lot but we had a resource the school was really good to us and they, they gave us you know machine shop access and stuff like that and so i um i did that like all college like that was every single weekend um, when it got into the build and test season in the springs, I was working 80 to 100 hours a week on that. Man. Mm. So, like, school, yeah, yeah, school, 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 40 hours there. <coughs> 80 to 100 in the shop. Like, you know, it was a it was a Friday afternoon till, you know, 2 a.m., Saturday at, at 8 a.m. till 
1 a.m. Like, it was that kind of absolute grind. Yeah. And school is like, I wish sometimes now I'm in, in my professional life, I'm like, dang, I should have paid more attention <laughs> to <in that> class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, uh, I got to work. I got to work at Fox because I was so involved in that team. I knew everything about it and the business side of it and, and that. And it opened the doors. I was a, I was a, you know, a key play, player on that team, and it started opening doors. When someone said, what do you want to do Like after college? I'm like, I want to go work at Fox. They're like, oh, uh, do you have any leads? I'm like, no, you? Like, <laughs> and so I just started building that network, and eventually I got the right email. And, mm. I, and, I, and I made the right connections, and it worked out, and I was, I was so fortunate. I, was, I, I still feel so lucky that I got that all to work, and then I went down to Southern California, and you know, I love desert racing from, you know, from even a kid, I remember mm-hmm. like being eight or something like that, and going on YouTube and just like watching truck mm. videos, you know. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I knew I was going that direction from a child. Well, yeah. Fox is a great place to land to be getting that world. Yep, absolutely. And so, they they have been my uh, title sponsor for a couple of years now. Um, but this summer, actually, I left Fox and I went to work at uh, Four Wheel Parts. Mm. So it's in the San Diego area, and Fox is moving most of their facilities and uh big the most most manufacturing to georgia um and i'm a manufacturing engineer Mm -hmm. so uh it was kind of a natural like all right like i think this is time um really good really good split like i still have tons of friends there and Mm -hmm. and, uh, they'll probably come back as sponsorship obviously but um maybe not if i'm not an employee it's a little bit less pull (laughs) yeah well uh i i have to say i I love four-wheel parts you know sometimes i feel like they're a bit on the pricey side and in my group of like you know we're a bunch of poors and we're like ah oh, we got to but the thing that all the reason I always go back to four wheel parts is because of the customer service and for me like I'll pay I'll pay a little extra for a part simply because of the customer service like I can't tell you how many times cuz I I built this XJ that's on tons and 40s it's stretched it's it's pretty sweet but there was a lot of I needed a lot of help with certain parts, piecing together these junkyard axles and whatnot. And I call four wheel parts, and man, some of the most helpful, some of the most knowledgeable people hmm. I've ever talked to were from the four wheel parts tech support line. Yeah, so that's that's interesting because it's such a broad category yeah. that they have to be knowledgeable about and. So like you're not gonna get that in an auto parts store. Yeah. But then anyone in a smaller facility might not yeah. have the breadth, the breadth, or the or the part numbers to look up. Yeah. Um, so that is pretty. Interesting. And then and then so then I'm like, well, I need the, these random pieces, random parts. I just need one, and I'm sitting there like freaking out because I think and man, they're gonna make me buy an order of like minimum a hundred pieces. I just need like these two little random pieces, and the guy's like, no, I'll just just. I'll, here's this one little price I'll send you like a dozen now we have spares I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> so that that's pretty four wheel parts in my opinion is a pretty legit <laughs> setup and uh, like I said there's some people that bad mouth them out there but when it comes down to brass tacks like the customer support is unrivaled that's awesome Sweet. Yeah. Thanks. So, <laughs> thanks for pushing four wheel parts. Hey, maybe. Opera. Hey, maybe, maybe that's the next sponsor. Maybe right? they're gonna call us now, and we can. Uh, I'm we just. Can tell. I'm just. You know what? I'm just a little guy with. Well, I mean, not physically little. I'm a fairly large person, but I'm just a little guy who is trying to make it in the world. I got a family. I got kids. I don't got time to be trying to fight around with. Hey, man, you just pitted for three top ten cars at the nationals. That's true. I mean, you're 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 gonna be a sought-after fellow here. 
Well, just look for the red suspenders. That's all I can say. <laughs> you got some, he got some serious TV time <laughs> on the live feed yesterday. It was great. We <clears> were <throat> right there at the front, and the camera was over. I was like, I'll show off my sweet dance moves. So, uh, speaking of the race yesterday, kind of give us a little rundown, man, since we're at Nationals. Like, yeah. how did your race go? You had a pretty exciting finish. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> I had a pretty nerve-wracking buildup to, to here. So, I, I guess to take probably four steps back my i used to race a non-turbo car non-turbo 30s everything everything super simple super light because it's basically what i could afford i couldn't i couldn't afford a turbo car i found a man i found a very nice well-built uh non-turbo car in southern california in like 2017 it had the dash it had their gps radios intercoms everything it was ready to go and i basically raced that locally for a few years and then uh, ripped a corner off and then long traveled it and then it started going to going towards I want to go race ultra for it. And then I did that for a few years, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, the class is now so fast. The Ultra 4 series and 4900 is so fast and so competitive that that light, small package was just falling behind. Mm-hmm. Like, I was having to drive my car so hard at every single race just to fight for a top five that I was starting to make mistakes. Like, I was just pushing so, so hard. And to be fair, it still kind of worked. Like, it's you could still... You could still screw with the top five in a non-turbo car if you drove it like a bat out of hell. Unfortunately, I wanted to kind of go back to like my endurance type of roots. Like, all right, like go be patient, wait for the wait for the race to come to you, and then go fly at the end. And so this summer, I've made this whole basically strategy shift to I supercharged the car and I put 35s on it. So this was the first race that I've run a supercharger and 35s. And so I was all kinds of nervous. So you supercharged as opposed to turbocharged. Yes. That's interesting. So it's a belt-driven, like, on the side, like, road On boxes. the passenger side. Yes. Okay. I was looking at that in the lineup, like, what the hell is that? Yeah. That's really freaking cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a flux capacitor. Oh, yes. <laughs> so why, why a supercharger as opposed to a turbocharger? I am weird. Okay. And, <laughs> and I basically could... I could piece it together, like, budget-wise. Uh-huh. Like, right, this is all, like, my 9 to 5. It all comes out of my pocket. Like, I couldn't just go spend, like, seven grand on a, a turbo transmission and engine and all together. But I could slap on a supercharger, and I talked to the guys at Kraftworks, and they've actually been super helpful to me, so shout-out to Kraftworks. Um, and so they're like, yeah, I, let's do it. Like, let's be that kind of oddball, you mm-hmm. know, that can compete. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my that's kind of my image i guess it's like i've always been this oddball i do it by myself i was doing it with a non-turbo car and i was doing it with two small tires mm-hmm. what are you doing and why is he in the top five yes <laughs> right and so i kind of like being <coughs> a little bit out outside of the 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 rut you know yeah and so um but i could do it in pieces and i could mm-hmm. spend the money and then you know let a couple paycheck come in spend the money again huh. and then it snowballed really fast because then i they're like well if you're gonna do that because i already had a high compression motor from alba okay they're like well then you can't turbo it with a high compression motor so then you've got to lower the compression ratios which mm-hmm. means we have to rebuild the motor and if you're gonna do that then you might as well do the bottom end mm-hmm. so that's what we did <laughs> <laughs> so it snowballed quite a bit and alba built me about a, like a like a race bottom end and new top end and everything so it got that's it snowballed cool. anyway but it's a uh, it should be a bulletproof yeah. setup. Huh. Well, we're a little familiar with that strategy at Rocky Mountain Supreme Speed and Fab. Yes. Let's take something that totally works and functions and change it just to change it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest kick we get with our race cars when people walk by and they look at it and they're like, is that a two-seater or a four-seater? Because it looks 
like in between. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so we understand that we yeah. work with a guy yep. that owns our car. That's that, how his brain works. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like why this this is how it's been forever. I'm like, well, why does it have to stay the same? Why can't we do something better? It's yeah. innovative. And that's the same thing. People are like, you, you know, you're doing okay. Like, just be okay with that. I'm like, no, I yeah. I want to push to the front. I want to go win again. Yeah. And and I've gotten close podiums and stuff like that. But I haven't been able to win again since that second race back in the day. And so I'm just like, this. the pace has improved such that I think you need the bigger tires. Because I could I could go through the rocks just fine. My car's real soft. But at some point, the rocks get big enough where it stops the car. And you go, boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, but on 35s, it just keeps rolling. And I was watching other cars go through sections like that. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I have to go up in size. Well, and I think that's something really cool about Ultra 4. And Dave Cole even said it during the Driver Summit yesterday. Like, I do not want to limit creativity. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to come up with these crazy ideas because it pushes everybody. It raises everybody's level. If we just want to be status quo, then we're never going to go anywhere. Yeah. Right? It's just going to be a bunch of guys in a field racing each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's what brings me to here. So I just supercharged it, and I did that <coughs> uh, this summer. So I did South Dakota was the first race uh, uh, with that. And that was a whole another story. A little, that little like, different correct course. Yeah, yeah I, did, I ran 27s, and um, it was that was a whole another story. Like that mm-hmm. was a shit show. Every <laughs> except for every summer, I go through some kind of shit show. Like, yes. Ready for a race. Yes. I've got stories for days. We can make a whole podcast about it. Um, <laughs> but then I been did the 37s, regeared it, and everything for or 35s um, for here. But this is the first race on 35s with with power. So like this is like the kind of the completion of what I wanted to do, and I did it all in this time frame to be ready for hammers. I wasn't yep. going to do any of these changes before hammers, so I had to do it all for now, and I had to push and blah, test blah. it all. And, yeah, yeah. And then I went testing two weeks before the race, normal stuff, and broke a transmission. <laughs> and so, which had just been rebuilt, but it was a shaft that I had been running for a long time. So whatever. So pull that out overnight parts to get it all back together and then basically i didn't get to go test again i just got to roll around the drop shop i'm like all right four-wheel drive works so mm-hmm. cool and came out here so i was pretty nervous um about just doing it all and the problem that i have with my intercooler setup is it heat soaks if i don't go fast enough uh, it's heat soaks yeah because blah blah excuses excuses i mounted it behind the radiator because that's sure. where it fit yeah and it's too hot. Yep. Unless you're, if you're moving, it's fine. It, yeah. My IATs are not bad, unless I go slow. And so I had to adjust my race. Well, one, we were we were screwing with that for hours, like trying this, that, and the other thing. So I wasn't doing my normal type of prep for this race. And I'm getting to why the finish happened. Sure. Um, I didn't get to do my normal tinkering trick, like all the little stuff I do to make sure that the car is going to be ready to go. I was sitting here con- worried and confused about how the car was going to run. And all, all the way up until an hour before the race. And they're like, well, I need to put tool bags together. Like, let's just, let's go. But we have to race it as it yeah, is. Yeah, it's time to go. And so I put tool bags together and just blah, blah, blah. I did a couple bolt checks, just the basics. And we had to leave. And I knew that I couldn't slow down in the rocks. That was actually kind of fun. Because I knew if I slowed down, the car would heat soak mm-hmm. and it would start running bad. So I went fast <laughs> like that that a loop it's fine it got plenty of airflow and i and i was you know being cautious on the car i wanted to get to the you know the end but that first loop the first b loop i was i was at, at that near end of race kind of pace like i am not going to slow down let's just hit everything in high like some of the stuff you should usually sit, sit down to low I'm like well if i just hit it at 15 at the bottom 
I can just kind of bang up. And the 35s were awesome. There yeah. was such a big difference to go mm. from doing this similar course last, uh, last year on 30s. That, I mean, it would just, even doing the same thing, it would just destroy the car. It would just, you could feel in, in your chest. You would just be like, stop it because you're hitting mm -hmm. walls. Yeah. But on the 35s, it's got so much <coughs> more diameter. It just kind of glides over some stuff. So I was able to climb some hills in a high that I wasn't expecting to. Um, and then, so that was going great. And then I went, did another lap. I mm -hmm. did uh, my second. And at some point, I was in fifth or fourth. Yeah, you were in the top five. You were you were behind Josh. You were in front of us. Like, you were definitely up there. Yeah. And, and guys were dropping left and right exactly. at this point. Exactly. And so I was like, all right, at this point, I think it's it was six or seven minutes to the leader or something like that. And there was next, the next person was six minutes behind me. And so they said, just just bruise cruise. And I basically went into cruise mode. Like, obviously, I still kept some pace there, but I wasn't pushing the car at all, I felt. Um, and then did that whole second loop and went out on A. And I could kind of feel like that right side, like I could feel it like shudder, like hmm. loose. Something was loose, but I didn't know what it was. And I was hoping it was just a shock bolt that could just like yeah, yeah. go against the bolt. It's not yep. gonna shear it. Yeah. But I think it was the lower, the lower uniball like capture, like it's a conversion for the pin, mm -hmm. and the bolt is upside down on the bottom. And I think that because that's the only part that wasn't broken, so it must have broken first, so it didn't get torn up. So that basically that bolt that captures it, I think, got loose. And came off, and eventually, when that lower a arm comes off the upright, the whole thing tucks under, like it's. Uh. And so, it tucked under, but I it was pretty close. I was only two miles away from the finish, and so I knew that I could just put it in four low and motor, <coughs> and it tucked underneath the car, like, and I surfboarded it. Just, <laughs> the, the tire was stuck underneath the floorboard, so I could just kind of surfboard. I couldn't steer for anything. Yeah. But I could surfboard around, and I went like a mile until it got to a 180 degree corner that I couldn't make. And so I had to back up, yeah. which pulls the tire out and uh. I'm stuck. And now I have to run into it again, which breaks basically everything else. Uh. And so at that point it like still is just dragging and I can't steer and I'm just like pushing it along in four low. And then we get to, there's a section of rocks right before the short course. Mm -hmm. There's like actually some decent rocks there. I'm like, I can't like get through this mm -hmm. it would hit a rock and it would like stand up real hard go down on the nose and over to the edge like i was very close to tipping and so i backed up to and i um got out my tool bag and everything and so i took the wheel off and that's that's how i basically got through the, the last few sections i took the brakes and, and the wheel off and everything and hid in the bushes and then tie or took the shock loose and everything and tied everything up as best i could and i was just gonna bang it through the rocks to Damn. to the finish because the guy on the radio was like, "Hey, you have to get here mm -hmm. before the leaders so that you get credited for starting three B or mm -hmm. B three. So you have to finish before they do so that even if you come to the hot pit, sure, like we're not going to fix it. Mm -hmm. but you have to get here. You got ten minutes to make it. Get it. Like they were like, hurry. <laughs> yes, we were having the same conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it um, <clears throat> it sucked. It so, really so, so, but you, you made it. I made it. That's amazing. So That's we were in, amazing. we were in the pits, right? And we see you come around the corner onto the short course, and just we hear you just <laughs> like nice yeah. slow pace, and we're like, his motor sounds good. Like, what's going on? <clears throat> and you come around the first corner where we could see, and we're like, dude, he's on three wheels and tires. Yeah. He is missing an entire wheel and tire. And then you did like. A part of the short course, you have to, yeah, and just drug it. Just I mean, motoring around because if you, but if you went too fast, you'd catch and it would have gone over. Yeah, like it was uh, coming out of the short course down into that first Talladega. I couldn't turn up the hill because it was tipping so hard, so I had uh. to like point down towards the grass to let it <coughs> level out, and then I could kind of steer back up into the 
into the berm and then mm-hmm. use the berm to go around. Like, <laughs> it was like a whole strat, like a whole race in itself. Yes. Like, don't hit that rock, but I can hit this one to maybe it makes this do this. And, like, it was this whole, like, mental game of like, how do I not crash the car That's by amazing. dragging it? <laughs> well, and then you get into the pits, and everybody's just like, holy crap, look at this guy. Look, yeah. at, what look at this. So, I mean, it seems like somebody does it, like, a few times a year. Like, somebody did it at the <coughs> see I saw. Like, mm. somebody do, somebody rips a corner off, usually a front one. Well, I'll be honest, I think a couple of guys might have done that yesterday. They just yeah. didn't, like, push it as long as you did. Oh, yeah. I the, feel the so The attrition bad. that we saw in the pits yesterday it was, was pretty intense. Nuts. Well, that's that plays into probably, probably the next point about national championship points. So I think uh, Josh had calculated that if Versi finished any worse than 15th yep. and he won, then he would eclipse him in the points. Mm. And I think uh, Versi got 13th or or something. 12th maybe? Something like that, yeah. I mean, it's going to be real it close. It was super close. My dad did the same calculations, and uh, that's pretty wild. Because yeah. if more people would have stayed out and yeah. made it, mm-hmm. it would have pushed us all back. And, and it probably would have gotten Josh a championship. Hmm. But Josh did go out and win yesterday. He, he, I mean, he, he did what he had to do. He man. had a little bit of trouble that we dealt with and got him back out. But he did exactly what he needed to do yesterday. He won the race. And I think McCoy was trying to do the same thing. McCoy had it in the same position that if – not exactly, but if he – he qualified first, right? Yep. So he got the so, bonus. So he got the bonus, which means that if he won, I could finish second. He'd still take third for me. So he had it in points in the back. Hmm. He had to go win that race. And even if I got second, I couldn't do anything about it. And he blows through after lap A and just cuts straight to lap B mm-hmm. and skips the short course on accident. Mm-hmm. And that was like in the first 30 minutes of the race, and everybody's like, well, Uh-oh. his race is over. Yeah. And he comes in after loop B, and we're like three cars away, and we can see them telling him, mm-hmm. dude, you... You skipped a short course. Yeah. And he, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I wasn't in that pit mm-hmm. for that conversation. And then I saw him later. He was out at the, the long straights, and then the car was just off to the side. Doors were open. The guys, guys were gone. Yeah. So. I don't know what ended up happening. I didn't hear. I don't know either. But that was, that was a bit playing into my mind in, in the race uh, logistically. Because I also caught Zollinger. Zollinger, I qualified like uh, 11th or something like that. And, and they, so they were both in front of me, which is kind of what I wanted to do. Cause I knew that I needed McCoy to do, I, knew, I was playing the points game with McCoy and Zollinger. They're both pretty close. And so when I saw, when I heard that over the radio and then I caught Zollinger, I think on the second lap, uh, or maybe it was even the first B and he had issues with his car too. And so then I was like, Oh man, now I know, like I can just basically cruise this thing. Finish. Basically that was the point. Um, and then at some point I was far enough ahead. I was like, guys, if they didn't get back on on course, it honestly doesn't even matter if I go any further. Like at that point, they are they they I was ahead of them in points. They can't catch up if they're both down. So if once I got confirmation of that, I was almost in back into like, all right, like let's go see what it can do. Like mm-hmm. it, it, I think points are pretty much wrapped up. So like let's just go test these this car. Let's go test these thirty fives and just go have fun with it and yeah. go see what see what we can do. And I found out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sure did make for an interesting evening, man. And it was the race in general was great from our perspective. Mm-hmm. 
the sunset. It looked like it got oh, really wow. difficult for a little bit. You guys were looking in the sun a that, lot. That, oh, looked, man. that looked miserable. I mean, the <coughs> sunset was beautiful to look at, but then I'm like, oh, they're looking right into that. Second second lap, A, I was mostly one-handed just with my hand uh, in front, yeah. just like trying to see. Yeah. Or like, And then after it got dark, we saw real quick who thought ahead and who didn't. Yeah. Because there were some guys that... Did you see the one with the DeWalt? That was that was ours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so great. I couldn't believe it worked as well as it did. Yeah, it was awesome. We, you know, Matt with Champ Racing came in, and he said, I got two problems. First of all, my steering wheel is falling off. You know, our steering wheels have six little set screws in them. Yeah. He had two, and it was, like, falling off. So we tightened it as good as we could. He said, the second problem is, is I can't see anything. Because my stock Can-Am headlights is all I got, yeah. and they're broken. And they're broken, so they're, like, facing yeah. up. So, I mean, he <laughs> so, can see what the trees look like real nice. So he's like, if you can get my GPS to start working again, because he didn't have GPS either, oh he said, and you can get me lights, I'll go back out and finish the race. Oh my and we brainstormed. We gave him flashlights. They did uh, the third lap A with flashlights yep. in the hand. Didn't work. He comes back in before lap B, loop B. And we said, screw it, man. And we took one of those 60-volt DeWalt cordless work lights, uh, work lights yep. with a tripod. We folded it up. We shoved it between his co-driver and him. We zip-tied it and and uh, a bungee cord. corded it. So the zip ties were on the front of the of the windshield cage, and the bungee cord was on the on the ass end, kind of suspending it from the ceiling. So it actually worked out pretty well because... He it was he was able to like move pivot it around mm-hmm. with that bungee cord. So he was able to so like, he yeah. could like steer it. Off. Yeah, yeah, so it was a, he he could steer the light with the car. Man, that's that's, that's next. I know. I was like, like have dang. one of those little police lights for the for the mm-hmm. co pilot. Well, I think that uh, I think Dewalt might be giving them a call. I yeah, mean, they should if they know what's good for them. <laughs> but that's you know that's like our world in the pits, like yeah. the ingenuity to get these guys back. That's sometimes out. just as fun or more fun than racing. Yeah. I swear. I'll I'll be honest. Our qualifying to race time uh, extravaganza with Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab, and the whole drive shaft fiasco. We'll go into that in another episode. But yeah. that was like not fun. Well, it, for me it was. I know it wasn't for you, but for me it was. But we'll like so we'll talk about yeah. that later. So quick question this is kind of like off off the wall here but so you're an engineer Mm -hmm. so when you're working on stuff like when i'm working on stuff i'm usually swearing at engineers (laughs) who do you cuss out when you're working on stuff so i'm a manufacturing engineer but so so i also swear at engineers okay all right i just wanted to make sure because i'm like because there's a there's a there's a a difference basically between like what i do like i understand a lot of the design stuff like like baja say like i was the technical lead like blah 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 yeah and serviceability usually gets um, lower. It gets compromised in the decision because of cost, uh-huh. um, and that's usually it, um, or somewhat of performance. Mm-hmm. But there is usually just a cost aspect to it. And they said, "Wait, I can make in I mean, any business anywhere. Wait, you're saying I can make that cheaper? Let's do that." Yeah. It's just mm. it's just simply usually comes down to that. Okay. But then in um, in these things, it's usually my fault. So I'm usually swearing at me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair we, enough. We've done that too. We do that a lot. We swear at our, ourselves. But I, it's also then it's even though it's clearly my fault, I'll still cuss out an engineer just because it makes me feel better. So I'm doing both. <laughs> That's, I love it. I love it. Yeah, because like my car has been 
through a lot. It's yeah. like 2014. Wow. 1,000 on Turbo. That's an original it XB 1,000. It is an old girl. Yeah. And so it has been through its paces, and it's every single thing on that car has changed in this, that, one form or another. And so it was it was me <laughs> <laughs> that, that did whatever. I made some decision. <laughs> so at some point, I'm just like, dang it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, we uh, we appreciate you sitting down with us. Yeah, like, we absolutely. got some great stories. I, we might have to have you back on at one of the other races, man, because like you said, you've got a wealth of knowledge plus some good stories. Yeah, we, but uh, I really enjoy it. I mean, I one I think Josh probably knows this too. I love to talk. I'm a talker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, I really enjoy this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, like storytelling's fun. You yeah, know? And, that, and if you don't, it's, I love that you guys are recording it and just having it all. Because like, mm-hmm. if you don't, I mean. You can tell your kids someday, but, like, this seems like a good medium to, like, really grab some of that good information and kind of hold on to it and share it. So yep. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah, and the feedback we've got's really been really good. You know, no one talks about 4900 class. Mm-hmm. And they said yesterday again, we've heard it before, we are the biggest growing class mm-hmm. in racing right now. 33 entries, I think, in and one class. That's yeah. the difference. Well, and that's the reason is is because <clears throat> I've I said this a 100 times. I'll keep saying it. This is a class that anybody can realistically get into. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot realistically get, you know, a giant 2,000-horsepower chassis and a, and a, you know, built engine. I can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. I financially, when you're looking at one axle costing $9,000, like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can piece together my... My crawler XJ with junkyard axles, but that is that is nothing like some of those guys. Whereas you get into like the 4900 class, you know, anybody can piece together one of these and make a competitive machine. Maybe you're not necessarily gonna you know go win at all, but you're gonna be able to go out have fun, compete. You're gonna go racing, and that's what it's all about. It's like let's go racing. You know? Yeah, and that's why I again why I kind of got here is because it wasn't the entry fees weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. And you didn't need a fuel cell. Yeah. So yeah. it basically made it that avenue for like, yep. I mean, granted, I, I've been wanting to do this. I, mean, I won't say hammers in 2011. You know, like I've been wanting to do this for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's available mm-hmm. and it's there. And it's it, you like, yeah, you're probably going to tear up $2,000 worth of stuff, but you can do it. You can mm-hmm. pull it off. Yep. And everybody's helping everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's been a really good. It's crazy that we just sat here with two guys that pretty much run their whole program by themselves. Yeah. And compete, you know? Yeah. So. All right, man. Well, cool. well thank you. Ha- have a good rest of your weekend. Have a safe trip back to California, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll definitely see you at Hammers. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. All right. Thanks, man. We'd like to give a big thanks to Scott and Cody both for taking the time out of a hectic schedule at the Nationals race to sit down and talk with us. And on that note, we'd really like to give a huge thanks to everybody that has listened and been a part of this little podcast so far. Ten episodes in and it's been better than we ever could have imagined. We weren't sure if we would even know enough people to have 10 episodes. But here we are. Folks, we are pumped about where this is going, and the feedback we've been getting has been great. If you enjoyed the first 10 episodes, well then hold on, because the next 10 are going to blow your mind. We've got some great guests and some great topics coming your way. You've been listening to The Pit Guys. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. We'll see you at the races.